Did you know there's a turtle who died in 2006 who actually met Charles Darwin? Her name was Harriet, and she lived to be 175 years old. Turtles have really long lifespans, and there's actually one out there who will probably spend the rest of their life telling tales of their encounter with Chris Duffy. This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place, and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I'm just a man talking to people about the craziest life experience they've ever had. One person I should try to track down is Sochi Morimoto, a 37-year-old man in Tokyo, Japan. Recently, he's been renting himself out to other people to do nothing. He's been doing this since 2018 and says he can eat and drink and give simple feedback, but do nothing more. Says he charges about $96 per request. Seems like the ultimate in passive income, and I'm here for it. Of course, you'd already be aware of Mr. Morimoto if you had visited KeithConradMedia.com and signed up for my email newsletter, The News Side Quest. Five days a week, you'll get a smattering of news stories along with my snarky commentary and a few gifts to brighten your day. And also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening to help other people find the podcast and keep the interesting stories coming. My guest this week is a brother in sound. Or in other words, he's worked in radio. Chris Duffy, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. And I've already had one guest who had a, a high seas adventure. Uh, basically, they fell out of a boat and ended up having to be rescued by the Coast Guard. Um, that one had a that one had a happy ending, and I'm hoping yours does as well. Well, actually, it, it does um, a very happy ending, um, but I have to preface it by saying it really, I'm just a small part of it. It's really my parents' high seas adventure that I was fortunate enough to take part of in, in little slivers here and there. Um, my folks, um, uh, I grew up in northern Michigan, up in the sticks there, but uh, my mom and my stepdad, you know, when they first started um, going out together when I was very young, um, one of the things that brought them together was their love of sailing and so growing up in Traverse City we we had multiple sailboats and they sailed all of the Great Lakes but their plan was once I was off to uh, college at 18 years old was to hit the salt water um, by a, a sailboat and uh, see how far they could go and uh, they they prepped for it for a number of years they learned celestial navigation they learned uh, you know how to cruise and and uh, they, they, you know, cruised the Great Lakes offshore, you know, across Lake Superior, across Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were, they were, they had a lot of uh, experience as sailors. But once I was safely nestled into college, they uh, went to Fort Lauderdale, bought a 43-foot sloop, and started to sail. Um, and I don't know if they really had ever planned an end route, but uh, they just kept reaching for the horizon. Um, the first year they had it, when I sailed with them down to Key West, I thought that was a huge adventure, but it was just a taste of things to come. Long story short, uh, eight and a half years later, they had circumnavigated the planet on this 43 foot sailboat. They'd gone all oh, the way. Wow. Yeah. They'd sailed all the way around. Um, and, um, being a poor college kid, there was only small portions of, uh, the cruise that I could join them in, but, um, mm -hmm. um, 
a lot of very fun moments happened uh, when I was with them, mostly in the Caribbean, actually. But uh, um, they went to Australia. They went to Thailand. They went throughout the South Pacific, um, across the Indian Ocean, over to South Africa. So they definitely uh, saw the world. Yeah, I know my grandfather uh, at one point just went on a, a trip around the world. And uh, I think he was like 18 or 20, at, you know, so still very young at the time. And uh, I, I didn't learn that until I was an adult. And I'm like, oh, I, I might have missed my chance to do something cool like that. So it's nice to know that you can actually still do that, you know, as an actual adult. Yeah, they're kind of my inspiration. Um, I always have them to look forward uh, to, to, you know, re- remind myself that, um, you know, this great uh, possibilities of just dropping it all and going, although that's not really what they did. They very much planned for years. Um, they rented our house out that I grew up in. So that was income. They, you know, learned, like I said, everything there was to learn about, uh, uh, it's called blue water sailing, which is offshore, which is out past where the coast guard can rescue you at least easily. And, uh, it's not quite like Lake Michigan where, you know, you just, can barely see the other side. You exactly. nothing on the horizon. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, they, they learned ham radio, which is, you know, what you use when you go out of distance of, uh, cell phones and Marine radio even. So, um, they were, they, you know, people ask me how they made it around. Uh, and I say they use their brains, but, uh, the boat helped too. But I, I just have some great memories of, um, uh, flying down from college in Boston to join them in the Caribbean um, in St. John and St. Thomas, uh, Puerto Rico, Culebra, um, you know, they were still sort of getting their saltwater feet a little bit as you, uh, you know, um, it's easy to go offshore down in the Caribbean because like Lake Michigan, there's always another Island 70 miles in front of you. So you're never yeah. real that far out, but I would join them down there like three Christmases in a row. And of course, college break is like a month. So mm-hmm plenty of time to go down and have some fun. So that's what I did. And, um, it's very memorable, good stuff. Um, one time, you know, I mean, it's, it's people ask, uh, you know, what's it like living on a boat? And you'd be amazed at the number of people who are liveaboards. In fact, the number of families who are liveaboards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the, the people that live on their sailboats or their power boats or whatever. I mean, power boats are, um, they're good for cruising, but, uh, again, you've got to have somewhere to gas up, you know, the wind yeah. is free. So a sailboat is going to take you offshore a lot easier. Um, well, and it seems like there's, uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are doing that on land these days with, uh, you know, tiny houses. So it, it doesn't seem so far fetched now. No, it doesn't. You know, you've got a whole new, uh, you've got a whole new dynamic when the ocean becomes your landscape every day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and as anyone will tell you who's ever been on the ocean as a sailor, it's something you have to respect every day. You, you can never, never drop your respect for it or you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, uh, I would imagine it's, it's easy to, uh, it's easier to, to say live aboard a boat than it would be to live in a tiny house or like an RV or something, because uh, much more so with a boat than anything on land, you can, uh, you know, you can go to the places where the weather's nice enough that you can just be outside all the time. Uh, definitely when you live on a boat or if you're a sailor in Chicago or, you know, or <laughs> whatever, 
uh, the word weather should be at the very front of your brain. Yeah. Uh, you know, you should be watching weather every day. You know, it's funny. I have friends who have boats who are, you know, out there in the playpen in the summertime, you know, and I've had to text them. I'm like, you guys out there next to Navy Pier having fun? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're having a great time. Well, uh, I'm looking at the radar, and the, the, the end of the Earth thunderstorm is over Rockford right now, so you need to get back. <laughs> and they're like, really? We don't see it. And I was like, no, you wouldn't see it because, A, the city is in the way from the playpen. You don't see what's coming from the west, and, B, you haven't looked. So trust me. You know, so you really got to you know, teach the newbies. There's one word that always has to be in your mind on a boat, whether it's in the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean or in the playpen off of Navy Pier, and that is weather. You have to keep an eye on the weather. And also... Whether you're in a, in a small sailboat or a, a big ore carrier in November. Right, exactly. You know, uh, the legend lives on. But, um, yeah, so um, I would go down there, and, you know, the, it, was, it wasn't... It, 43 feet sounds like a big boat, and I suppose if it were sitting off of Navy Pier in the playpen it would look like a big boat but uh, it definitely sort of closes in on you a little bit when you're living there constantly it was a very comfortable boat very um sturdy well-built sailboat it was a a a pearson design um it was called a uh, defiant 43 which they actually make in thailand which i'm sorry not thailand taiwan which for everything else you know taiwanese manufacturing is sort of eh but for boats, that means very good because it's an island nation. It always has been. And, you know, the people there are really good at building boats. And they were really good at building this sailboat. In fact, I think before we bought it, um, it had already been around the world once. So, yeah. So it was a real, real comfortable. And my mom made it homey, you know. And, and uh, you know, there was dinner every night. and uh, We actually had a little, you know, uh, TV with the, you know, the rabbit ears and stuff. And, you know, we would get what we could you know um but uh it was a lot of fun uh and we could like you say take it wherever we wanted to go um you know go check out that reef go check out that island uh and once they got somewhere they were under no obligation to leave immediately or you know whatever i mean they would go some some places they would go to for like three months you know for as long as they could legally um Mm -hmm. and just park themselves there and boy they've got stories i mean they're the ones you should talk to, but I mean, they were in, they sailed into Cartagena, Colombia in 1988. They were actually at a marina, oh, wow. marina owned by Pablo Escobar. Um, they, uh, you know, sailed all through the South Pacific. Their two favorite places were um, New Zealand and Thailand. Um, New Zealand, just for the amazing wildness of it, and Thailand. Yeah because Thailand was the only country they were in that really hadn't been invaded or taken over or proselytized by Westerners. It was still a uniquely indigenous uh, culture. So they loved those two places the best. I've got a picture of my folks. Um, (laughs) They were in Phuket in Thailand, and uh, they got to know because, like I said, you could stay as long as you want, get to know the locals, they got to, to know the locals, and um, one of the guys at the marina said, listen, uh, we're going on a business trip tomorrow. Do you want to go? It's up into the mountains. And they're like, sure. So they you know, pack an overnight bag, and uh, uh, the guy said, meet us out in front of the marina tomorrow at 6 a.m. 
And they're thinking the guy's going to show up in like a Toyota pickup truck or the typical, uh, you know, vehicle of Southeast Asia. No, uh, they're sitting there and here comes their friend with three elephants. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've got a picture of my mom and my stepdad riding this elephant up into the mountains of Thailand. Turns out they were going on an opium run, um, which sounds ominous. Oh my God, drugs, but no, opium is completely legal in Thailand. It's when you refine it into heroin that you get the death penalty. So, um, they were in the clear and, uh, you know, that's the kind of adventure they would find on their own in this whole eight and a half year journey that they were on. Wow. That's amazing. Maybe I should talk to them at some point that that sounds just amazing. Right. So, um, one of the stories that I like best, um, happened in uh, St. John, uh, which is an American Virgin Island. It's near St. Thomas. There's basically three. There's St. John, St. Thomas, and St. Croix. St. John is the most natural of the islands down there. Um, What happened was uh, about 100 years ago, John Rockefeller, the uh, standard oil money, uh, bought two-thirds of the island, actually more like three-quarters of the island. There's, There's like one little town called Cruz Bay, and he bought the rest of the island and built uh, a resort, uh, an elegant tropical resort called Canil Bay down there. And then uh, by the mid 20th century, he donated the rest of the island, uh, the rest of the property that he, that he owned to the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. So the island is very, very you know, wild and natural. It's beautiful, both on land and in the surrounding waters. But we were at anchor one night, and I forget what harbor it was, what bay it was. It was kind of remote. It wasn't like we were off a town or anything. And your typical, um, your typical day on the sailboat was just, you know, wake up, you know, do a little reading, you know, do some cleaning, making sure the boat's all tip-top shape, and then go for adventures every day. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my mom was making dinner in the galley, and she said it'll be about an hour before we eat. So I said, well, okay. And I uh, just threw on the flippers and the mask and jumped off the back of the boat. And we were anchored, you know, right on a reef near, um, you know, one part of the, uh, the island. Um, but I just, you know, it, uh, have you ever snorkeled? I have not. Okay. That, that's definitely uh, something I'd like to do uh, in the not too distant future, though. Yeah, it's, you know, it's literally, you know, your chance to enter another world and stay there for a little while. Um, especially on amazing untouched reefs in the Caribbean where the water is crystal clear because there's no river runoff or anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's just, you know, you jump in the water and all of, all of a sudden you're in the most amazing aquarium you've ever been in. Um, so that's what I did. And I'm swimming along the reef. Now, when you're swimming in salt water, you obviously keep a weather eye out for, um, things larger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a rule in the ocean, and that is if you're bigger than it, it's more afraid of you uh, than you are of it, regardless of what um, it is, except for moray eels. It's been my experience that those little bastards have zero Fs to give, so <laughs> I, would, I would watch out for those. But, um, they're, they're like the geese of the, uh, of the undersea kingdom. They just don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. Um, but um, I, I saw like a flash beyond the reef. And I sort of swam around the reef and uh, some coral, and I saw the biggest sea turtle I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this guy was like half as big as a, uh, 
you know, as a Volkswagen. It was just, he was huge. And he was just swimming there, and I'm just amazed. And then I noticed, oh, really? I, I noticed, of course, this had to happen. He's got a plastic grocery bag around his neck. He's, oh, wow. Yeah, he's swimming with your typical, you know, and let's face it, all evil returns back to plastic grocery bags. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's this guy, this beautiful creature of the deep, swimming, you know, with this plastic thing and obviously it's in you know the guy's a turtle he can't get it off he can't reach up and or bite it off because it's around his neck it's it's um you know sort of floating back on the caprice so here comes duffy um thinking you know what i know what i can do i can take it off him well easier thought than done um so i'm snorkeling along and and you know he's not particularly afraid of me and he's kind of close to me and so i i follow him for a while and then i'm like well if i'm gonna have to do this i'm just gonna have to get a burst of speed up with the flippers and and uh and just get right up on him and i'm thinking to myself the plastic's probably been there a while mm -hmm. it's probably thinned out a little bit so it'll just yank right off um so i got one burst of speed up and not a chance he was gone but I think he kind of understood what I was trying to do because he turned around and sort of started swimming around me again. And uh, this went on for like, you know, 40 minutes. Um, burst of speed. He's freaked out. He gets just out of the way. I, I come up close to him a couple of times, but never close enough to actually grab that bag. And uh, but as this was going on again, you know, you get this feeling in your head that maybe this creature understands what you are trying to do. So the last time, and I know he wasn't tuckered out. I mean, he's in his natural environment. You know, he, he can swim for days and I can't, but, um, the if you were chasing him around on land, he'd probably be pretty tired, but yeah, if I was ch chasing him around on land, I probably would have won the race in the first attempt. But, uh, even these big, huge sea turtles, uh, are just stunningly graceful underwater. And that's part of the charm of going snorkeling is, you know, just noticing how everything is designed in the ocean and how it's just designed to be perfect. So, um, so I, you know, it's starting to get dark and you never really want to be in salt water in the dark ever. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> you want to be back There's home. Horror movies about that actually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Think, uh, you know, uh, think Chrissy, uh, swimming out from the beach, uh, on Amity Island there, and all of a sudden she feels something, and then she feels nothing because three-quarters of her body is gone. Um, but um, so it's starting to get dark a little bit. I know I'm past due uh, for dinner, so I'm sure the folks, you know, even though we lived on a boat and they probably weren't, you know, sort of mom-next-door paranoid, they were probably going, all right, where is he? But I, I gave it one last burst. Uh, uh, and I, I got close enough to this guy and exactly what I had thought transpired. The plastic bag was like wet paper. It popped right off. And, um, then off he went and off I went back to the boat, but then he started to follow me a little bit. And I thought, Oh, the guy's thanking me a little bit, but, uh, it's just one of those crazy little moments that no one else was around. I couldn't share it with anybody, but, um, uh, it's one of the things that you experience when you step out of your comfort zone a little bit and find yourself on a 
43 foot sailboat in a remote lagoon in the Virgin Islands, which I recommend to anybody. And from that point on, uh, whenever you were at the grocery store and they asked paper or plastic, it was a very easy decision to make. I, I have always been, yes, I have always been the enemy of plastic bags. Um, and, uh, you know what plastic bags, I, I mean, literally I've dropped stuff on the way out to the car because I said, no bags, I don't need that. But, uh, when I do need bags, I, I ask for uh, paper and, and, um, if I do have to use plastic, I make sure they get recycled in the right spot. So, but, uh, and I've never lamented the fact that towns put plastic bag bans on because they really, I mean, let's think about it, you know, drive along, Hell, drive along McCormick Boulevard on the north side here and just look at some of the parkland next to the road. And they're just, just strewn everywhere. So, mm-hmm. But uh, plastic in general in the ocean is just something that we need, all need to live up to because it's everywhere. Yeah, you, you see stories about that all the time. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story and uh, for inspiring me to, uh, to take up snorkeling, especially if uh, my beautiful bride and I ever actually get to go on our honeymoon. Well, I know you've been on cruises, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when we get to go back on cruises, which hopefully will be the end of this year, uh, a lot of cruises, when they stop in their islands, you know, uh, in the Caribbean and everything, offer snorkeling adventures. And um, some of the great places to go are uh, St. John, which is actually the the water off St. John is part of the National Park, too. So so it's, you know, it's very protected. Um, Aruba down in the Southern part of the Caribbean is an amazing snorkeling adventure. And, uh, on the Caymans, Cayman Islands, Stingray city, where you can actually go out and, uh, swim on a sandbar and the stingrays, um, are sort of tame. Um, they'll let you pet them and everything, swim along with them. Just don't step on them. That's all you can. (laughs) That's a no, no, but, uh, um, you can feed them. I actually did this, uh, in the Caribbean myself, not at, Cayman, but um, in another spot, and then you can actually take like uh, a cracker or something and just dip it in the water, and they'll come right up over your hand. And they've got uh, mouths that sort of feel like cat tongues, and uh, yeah, wild stingrays. Who'd have thought? But uh, there's a lot of great places in the Caribbean, and that's not even talking about Mexico and Cancun and that area. So have at it. All right, now I just have to go out and see the world. Oh, let's hope we can all do that very soon. I'm. I'm Open sooner rather than later. If you think you can top Chris's story, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Gabatron.